0: This week on the Tech On Tap podcast, we discuss Veeam Availability Orchestrator and how to best plan for DR.
1: Well, welcome to the Tech On Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah.
2: NetApp. I love this company.
1: Zipalk. Zipalk. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house, and today we're going to talk about Veeam. Uh, and to do that, I brought a couple of Veeamers here. That, are you known as Veeamers, Adam? We
1: are, we are the Veeamers, I think. Me, me and Melissa are the two Veeamers. The, last the, two. the only two, the last two Veeamers.
0: <laughs> so uh, Adam Berg is here today, as well as Melissa Palmer from
1: Veeam. Uh, so Adam from Veeam, what do you do and how do we reach you? Hey, Justin. Glad to be here again. I think this is podcast number three for me on your on your podcast. So that, that's pretty cool. My name uh, again is Adam Berg. I am Veeam's global architect for NetApp Solutions. And you can find me on Twitter at AJ Berg, B-E-R-G-H. All right, excellent. Also with us today, Melissa Palmer, who has been here before,
0: but usually just skips out of podcasts because she's a <laughs> slacker. So hi, Melissa. What do you do at Veeam and how do we reach you?
2: Hi, Justin. My name is Melissa Palmer. You might also know me as Vemus. You can find me at Vemus33 on Twitter, and I am a senior technologist on the product strategy team here at Beam.
0: Senior technologist? Wow. Yes.
2: That's
0: good. You get AARP now?
2: <laughs> Not quite yet. We're Not getting yet? there, though, Justin. All All right. We're getting there.
0: It's good to hear. Good to hear. All right. So, uh, because I brought Vemers here, uh, we're gonna talk about Veeam. Uh, and to talk about Veeam, I guess if you've not heard of Veeam, if you're one of the three people in the world that haven't, um, we're gonna tell you what that is. So, uh, Adam, what's what's the overview of Veeam? Or is or is that Veeamus that's gonna give us the overview?
1: No, I, I can I can handle this, I think, right? So don't Veeam worry, your is, job's just on the line. Boy, I'm gonna send this right yeah, to I mean, Michael C. If, if you haven't if you haven't heard of heard of Veeam, I, you're you're gonna you're gonna learn some pretty cool stuff today. Uh Veeam is uh, one of the world's leading data protection and data management software companies. We're a software-only company. Uh, you may have heard of our uh, one of our uh, core products called Veeam Backup and Replication. We are the, the world's leading data protection solution for virtualized solutions and cloud native solutions, as well as physical servers. But today, we are here to talk about something special, brand new release that uh, I don't know if you've heard about, it, but it's something called Veeam Availability Orchestrator in version three, a brand new drop that uh, we're super excited about. So is it brand new or is it version 3? I'm confused. <laughs> well, <laughs> version 3 is brand new.
2: Version oh. 3 is brand new. And the reason we're talking to you is there's some very, very exciting new functionality that came to version 3, which I'm going to spoil it, but uh, it's integration with NetApp ONTAP, right? So Beam Availability, Orchestrator, the whole premise of this product is we want to make DR easier. We want to make it easy for your application owner to do what they do best, right? Figure out how they want to fail over their application, any kind of custom steps they want to, run, want to run, any manual scripts you're running now, you can just pop those all right into VAO, get some really slick documentation and fail over at the click of a mouse.
1: Spoiler alert, you're 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 spoiler alert. You're giving away all the good I know, stuff right not help well, it. Well, I guess I we're done. Help. Um <laughs> thanks thanks for joining us. Um,
0: <laughs> So, um, yeah. So you mentioned a click of a mouse. I mean, what if I have a touchpad? I mean, what's, what's, or that a, works too? can I do it on my phone? Can I just like a HTML5
2: interface baby?
0: Hey, there you go. So, okay, cool. So we, we know what, we kind of have an idea of what VAO is, uh, in general. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about this, this idea of business continuity and disaster recovery. So,
1: uh, what exactly are we talking about when we talk about BCDR? A couple of definitions here, because I think there's a lot of misconception. Exactly, you know, when people say BCDR, what that really means, right? Um, so, to 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 me, BCDR is, is actually two things. Of course, BC stands for business continuity, and DR, of course, stands for disaster recovery. Uh, but together, they're a set of processes and procedures that uh, a company uses to prepare for, avoid, and recover from a disaster. Um, but the the business continuity piece um, is is the proactive approach that organizations should be putting together uh, that include strategies and, and measures that, um, that encompass the, in the entirety of planning for an unforeseen event, uh, a major event. We're not talking about uh, you know, a single application going down or a C server going down. We're talking about things that might um, cause you to lose an entire data center, for example. Um, so it's the entire process of preparing for, for those events. And, and the DR piece is the actual technical steps that you follow to actually uh, achieve a, a failover level event. So you can't really have a disaster recovery plan without first putting together a business continuity uh, plan. So there you know the, the scope around business continuity is pretty broad. Right? I mean it includes things like um chain of command uh right who's who's who calls um uh, a disaster and if those certain people are unavailable what what is the chain of command under there in, in a disaster what are the you know what's the full contact list who are the application owners um what are the what are the applications involved in uh, in our disaster recovery um you know, it, it includes all the phone numbers and call trees, right? There's there's a lot involved in putting together a business continuity plan. Um, and then, of course, putting together your DR plan. This is the actual technical steps of these applications come up uh, uh, first and then and, and these applications second and, and third and so forth. So, um, you know, uh, together, uh, the, you know, the whole plan is called the BCDR plan. And that's what we're sort of here to talk to you about today, the importance of this. Um, you know how how do we put together a BCDR plan? And if you're listening to this and your organization doesn't have a, a BCDR plan, we're gonna I want to kind of dive in and how do you start? How do you put together this? And then uh, you know how do how does building this plan drive your technology choices in in your organization and and um, how we structure that. And as to why you know why putting these together these plans together, of course is obviously the the entire stake of your organization may be on the line in in, in a in a disaster level event um, or a data center level failover event. I mean, when you, when you think about the the implications of even a single application being out or your your company's most important uh, application being offline, you know it, it's critical that these uh, your business becomes comes back up on online as quickly as possible. and without proper planning uh, without testing your, your plans and your disaster, uh, uh, preparedness, uh, you have no idea how long it's going to bring your business, you know, how long it's going to take to bring your business back online. Uh, you know, just for example, uh, you know, Veeam did a bit of research and on average, most organizations, most important application, a single, single hour of outage can cost an organization on average over $37,000. So, can you imagine if you know if you if you had your most important application down for two, three, two you know two hours, three hours, twenty four hours? What that sort of means monetarily uh, to your organization, and not only that, but reputationally to your organization. Um, you know, these are so these are some serious um, you know there's some serious monetary monetary implications uh, to organizations who who don't have a proper BCDR plan in place.
0: So, Melissa, you know he's talked a lot about BCDR and some of the strategies that companies have to take on and there's different ways to approach it right because I mean everything that you do has a cost associated with it whether that cost is seen up front when you initially purchase the equipment or the you know data center pieces that you need or on the in the long run when you have the outage and then you actually have the cost of, of loss of business so how do you help uh, companies understand the balance between what you pay up front versus what you could potentially lose on the other side like as an insurance policy
2: that's really tricky, Justin. And unfortunately, a lot of companies don't even want to make the investment until they've paid that. I lost my data center tax, right? Natural disasters happen. Um, we, I'm in New Jersey, right? I'm sitting watching a hurricane outside right now. I hope everything's going to be okay. But we had this Hurricane Sandy roll through a number of years ago. And I, had, I was a NetApp SE at the time, actually, believe it or not. And uh, I have customers that didn't even have DR plans in place and learned the very hard way after being down for weeks at a time and losing lots of money that this is something they needed to invest in. Right. So, so it's twofold, right? It's like, okay, my downtime is going to cost me $37,000 an hour, but maybe that's cheaper than, you know, building this DR and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's a bigger discussion to have of, what else can I do with these DR resources if I make this investment, right? What else can I do to leverage them um, in the event of, you know, they're just sitting there idle, right? Or I had customers that had the really nasty big SATA drives with no flash cash back in the day for DR, right? That didn't run so well when you failed over. Um, so it's really a balance and a big part of it is on the customer and on the IT teams to prove, hey, if we invest in this data, these data center resources, we can actually use them when we're not doing a DR, right? here's ways that we can um, reuse our capacity. And uh, VAO can actually help with that, believe it or not. And Veeam as a whole. So we have this kind of foundational data lab technology, which will let you basically spin up uh, your, a copy of your production environment in a bubble. And you could actually use those DR tests, uh, that DR site for testing and testing things like patch testing, right? So those zero nasty zero days like to come out and everybody's like rushing to patch, but no one wants to patch because they don't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah, spin up a copy of your app, applica- your critical app, test it out, throw it away when you're done, then roll out the patch. Right. So there's lots of things we can do with you know the software that we have to make it a little easier to swallow for organizations as well.
0: Yeah, and you know, you, you touched on some of the points about having that DR site, and sometimes if you have it running on a less a lower cost system, like spinning SATA drives, you, know, <laughs> you don't you don't get the same return on investment as you have with your source system, and that, that becomes a a cost decision, right? How much can I afford to lose? How much time do I need for the performance? Then it starts to become more of a conversation of, do I really even need it in a physical location? Can I put it somewhere else, like in the cloud, where I don't necessarily have to pay for the resources now until i need them uh, i can the spin cloud up more is compute oh not a charity right?
2: though my friend don't oh it is that.
0: I, they give it to me for free right
2: <laughs> but i mean like you know,
0: how how are you approaching that uh, that conversation right because it, you don't have to pay for all the compute up front you just have it kind of sitting out there in storage and then when you start to need to spin up the compute you can do that as needed and and, and how are you how are you educating customers on the the variances of that
2: you know that's a really interesting question cuz it really depends on the customer, right? I go through, cu- I go to customers who are like really all in on the cloud, and I go to customers who are like, I don't even want to touch the cloud with a ten foot pole, right? So, um, and I hate to sound like a Veeam salesperson here, because believe it or not, I do not work for Veeam Sales. I'm not getting paid to tell you any of this stuff. But um, you know, with our technology, we have the ability to actually restore to cloud for you. So you can take your on-prem systems, restore them to AWS or Azure. And kick the tires, right? See if the cloud is going to work for you. Kind of get those steps in place and, you know, just kind of learn and grow. And I have a lot of customers doing that, right? And then when we get to the cloud, we have cloud-native products now to kind of Back up those resources and when you decide, hey, you know, I tried AWS, but it turns out my ops team is full of Windows guys and we really should have went to Azure, we can help you make that migration too. So it's really kind of a discussion of where is the customer in their cloud journey, right? And how can we help them get to the next step?
0: And I mean it mainly strictly as a, as a DR idea, right? Because I mean, like, if, if you set up a, a DR solution on the same data center as you are using for your prod, that's not always great. How
2: would you do that? Don't do that. Well, I mean, you know,
0: <laughs> cost, right? It costs less money to stand it up in the same data center. Um, it costs more money to go to another data center, but maybe it doesn't cost me as much to, to replicate to the cloud because I know I'm not going to need it that often. And if something right. happens like a Hurricane Sandy, I don't have to worry about the liability of my data center flooding. Amazon or Azure have to take on that liability.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, too. So it really kind of depends on where the customer is in their cloud journey because, you know, some people might say that DR is a good place to start in the cloud, but other people might say, why would I want to start with something so critical if I haven't actually proven that the cloud works my organization yet? Everything you said in theory is great, right? But let's go back to the business continuity piece. We actually need people to be able to run that application and run that infrastructure in the cloud. So unless we've already dipped our toe into the cloud, right, and have at least a little bit experience doing it, um, I see a lot of hesitation to just say, hey, you know, cloud first for DR when we've not done anything else.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it could be cloud first. It could be cloud second. It could be cloud third. I mean, some companies are replicating to multiple locations, multiple clouds. I mean, it, it also comes down to how much you're willing to pay out of pocket to get that. that I thought the cloud recovery. was free. Well, it's, it's the first taste is free. <laughs> <laughs> this is your brain on cloud, Adam. Where are you in your cloud journey?
1: <laughs> well, I, I wanted to actually I wanted to make a kind of a kind of comment on what you guys were talking about there, using DR as a cloud. And I think one of the things that's that's lost in a lot of a lot of the the realization of thinking about cloud as a DR location is is most people what do they use on prem? It's it's mostly VMware, right? There's a, a large percentage of on prem infrastructures VMware. Um, and typically, when you want to fail over to DR, you have to remain in a, in a VMware sort of centric universe because all your you know, your applications are, are built for VMware. Um, and in converting a large uh, amount of your infrastructure on the fly over to something cloud native just for DR is not super practical. Um, so if you're you're a uh, an on-prem VMware customer and you're thinking about cloud for for DR, you really want to be thinking about um, which cloud providers support VMware infrastructure. Uh, to to fail over, and there are some right. So um, take that into uh, account as well. If you're you know if you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking, okay, we don't have a DR plan or a DR site put together, and we're thinking about public cloud. Uh, and, and you're um, you know think about which public cloud providers have have embraced uh, you know VMware infrastructure options in the public cloud.
2: Who doesn't love VMware? I love VMware.
1: I mean, <laughs> I, I'm
0: thinking that like Citrix doesn't love VMware.
2: Mm. Mm, Actually, Citrix
1: runs on top of VMware. Yeah, it
2: does. (laughs) I could think of back in the day, that was not the case. Though I remember doing all this weird (laughs) stuff to make my Citrix uh, presentation servers actually work on VMware. It was crazy.
0: I could think of at least one vendor that does not like VMware. (laughs) (laughs) I will not speak their name here, though. (laughs) Anyway, um, so you know, this is a NetApp podcast, of course. So let's let's turn this. NetApp loves VMware. NetApp does love VMware. Um, I hope I hope the feeling's mutual. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's turn the discussion back around to NetApp. Uh, Did I ever tell NetApp my customer... story about
2: how I ended up working at NetApp?
0: No, you didn't. <laughs> so, so let's pause. <laughs> Melissa, tell okay, us we how have you... Two seconds. Go, go two right second di- two diatribe, seconds. right?
2: Um So I was a NetApp customer, but a VMware administrator. And I had half my environment back ended by NetApp and the other half by some other yucky storage that I won't mention. And all my time was taken up trying to fix the yucky storage and make it work. And NetApp just kind of worked. So uh, that's how I ended up working for NetApp. One day my sales rep was like, have you ever thought about being an SE? And I'm like, hmm, okay. So because NetApp and VMware in my personal experience worked so awesomely together, and Adam's gonna talk about some of NetApp's uh, replication technology that even like 10, 15 years ago was still absolutely epic and I used on a daily basis. it just pairs so well together. It really does.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we all, I think, I think I'm, I know I'm speaking for myself personally, but a lot of, a lot of the, um, the people that, that I know as well who, who work, uh, with NetApp on, on a regular basis, once you, once you touch NetApp technology and understand its value, it you ruins you love.
2: forever. You can't touch anything. Yeah. Else. You
1: fall, yeah. You fall in love. And I know that the first time I started using NetApp technologies, you know, more than a decade ago, um, I realized that there was something special here. Um, and and innovative. Um, and one of those innovative technologies is technology that they call SnapMirror. Uh, SnapMirror replication today, uh, for my money, is still the best replication technology in the industry. It's the most efficient. Um, it, is the, it is the fastest. It moves the most data in the least amount of bandwidth um, replication technology uh, that you can get at the hardware level. And uh, this SnapMirror technology is something that Veeam took a look at and said, this is something that we need to integrate with. Um, the uh, true flexibility and the ability to achieve the lowest possible uh, RPOs and RTOs that we can do from a DR perspective is, is, is something that we could only do with, with NetApp right now. Um, and we, we took a step back and, and looked at our Veeam Availability Orchestrator and said, who do we want to integrate with? Uh, from a storage replication technology. And NetApp was, was, of course, the number one on that list. And that's the key capability that we're talking about today with Veeam Availability Orchestrator is our ability to integrate with NetApp SnapMirror to, to lower um, the RPOs and RTOs. And the ability to actually use not only asynchronous-based replication, but also synchronous replication to actually achieve uh, RPO zero with, with NetApp Um So that's a critical technology that's underpinning Uh, the DR orchestration tool that Veeam and and NetApp have collaborated on in in, uh, Veeam Availability Orchestrator version three
0: yeah and when you think about Veeam and 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 VMware and NetApp it's not just about the SnapMirror it's also about the snapshots themselves which are basically they're not copy on write they're pointers so the restores are much faster the snapshots are much faster and less less impactful on the performance then you have things like FlexClone, right? Like being able to clone a volume off That's of another volume.
2: That's pretty epic too. We yeah. might be doing a little bit of that with the yeah. too.
1: Yeah, maybe, so I want to, yeah, yeah, I want to kind of, I, I kind of want to have a discussion on, on on why NetApp really came to the top of, of the heap when when Veeam, you know, we we do have other alliances, uh, sadly, beyond NetApp, and we have a lot of technology choices of, of vendors that we that we could potentially integrate with. But why NetApp sort of came to the top of the heap is is because when you start thinking about putting together DR plans um, and and really what it takes to do. And what, you know, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and and you're you're thinking about your organization and you don't really have a solid DR plan or disaster recovery plan, or maybe you're only using backup and 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 uh, restore from backup today is is your primary method of recovering from a disaster. Uh, You know, the way that Veeam wants you to think about DR and DR planning is to start looking at your critical infrastructure in your applications and start putting these applications into different tiers or different buckets. You know, we usually consider these things like tier zero through tier four. Tier zero, uh, of course, being your most critical IT infrastructure, something that might need an RPO of zero, right? Uh, synchronous, you know, synchronous replication or no data loss in the event of uh, disaster recovery. Think of certain things like um, active directory, uh, VPN services, uh, DNS, right? Uh, firewalls. You know, a lot of these things fall under, um, you know, tier zero critical IT infrastructure that needs to be potentially uh, running at at both sites. Uh, and then you start, you know, categorizing your other infrastructure. Uh, into the other tiers and your other applications and the tiers, you know, tier one being mission critical stuff. This is something that might also need an RPO zero, maybe something that could be RPO 15 minutes. These are your most critical applications. The one that the ones that need to be running your business. If you're, you know, if you're an online retailer, this might be your online, uh, the database, your order taking databases and it, and you need technologies. And, and of course, you know, they, they go on down the line tier two, you know, you might call that gold and three silver and four bronze, for example. And you want to be able to categorize your applications into these four different, uh, these four different, five different categories, um, and set a policy for your organization around what kind of recovery point objective, and and re- and uh, return to operation uh, objective that you need for each of these applications. And those actually define the technologies that uh, that are required to achieve those. And when we start looking at things like um, RPOs of zero and RPOs of, 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 you know, sub five minutes or sub 15 minutes, you really want to be working with technology and integrate with technology that can actually achieve those. And so NetApp technologies are critical into achieving very, very low RPOs. And not only that, very low, very low RTOs. And you, you mentioned things, technologies like uh, the snapshot capabilities or flex clone capabilities. These are in, uh, indispensable technologies when trying to achieve really, really low RPOs and RTOs, and you know, I, I don't. Do we do we need to have a uh, discussion around what RPOs and RTOs are? Do you think that everyone listening actually knows what what we mean when we say those?
0: I mean, I, I think we could probably just cover it at a high level in case they don't. Um, I think yeah. RTO, yeah, so
1: right. and yeah, you know, I know I'm I'm kind of mentioning the, these two terminologies, and, and you know, when we when I say RPO, that's my recovery point objective, and you know, when I say RPO, that's really how much data are you willing to lose uh, during a failover event. Um you know, if sometimes the answers uh, could vary wildly, right? you know a lot of organizations will say, well I want to lose zero, you know data in, in, the, in the failover. Uh, that, that's not typically always practical for the entire work set. So you want to make sure that you are actually categorizing applications into what truly needs an RPO of zero or what could actually be an RPO of one hour or maybe even eight hours or maybe even 24 hours. You know, when you think about things like dev test um, or, you know, secondary systems, uh, secondary support systems, maybe those uh, don't need um, to be replicated as often, right? There's, a fine, there's always a finite amount of bandwidth. Um, And some applications really aren't tolerant necessarily to RPOs of zero. You know, for example, you might need application consistency. Typically RPO zero means you can only recover from a crash consistent copy of that data. So think about databases that might hold memory uh, or data in memory um, that need to be flushed to disk before replication. Sometimes asynchronous replication is more appropriate than a synchronous replication technology. So um, categorizing your, your RPOs for each one of those applications is is vital in determining what do you actually need from a, a technology perspective. And then and then RTOs, of course, is you know, the returned operation time. How 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 fast can we do we need to bring uh, these applications online in the event of a disaster? Is that uh, you know fifteen minutes? Is it five minutes? Is it three hours? Right. Um, you should be categorizing you know, each one of these applications to a specific RTO because that then drives technology choices. Uh, and how you bring these applications online, and what what critical you, you know software and hardware infrastructure you need to achieve those uh, those RTOS. So setting up these policies beforehand, before you start going into technology uh, discussions, um, is 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 vital. Because I know uh, you know prior to coming to Veeam, and many many of you know this, I spent ten years consulting around data center technologies, and that included uh, BCDR planning. And that was one of the first questions we always, we always went into organizations when we started having DR conversations was, what are your RTO and RPO policies? Uh, and most of the time is we don't have one, right? And that's where you start. Because without that information, you need to, you know, without that set, um, we can't really decide on what sort of core technologies we, uh, we need to uh, use to achieve those, uh, those stated policies.
2: Most yeah. And I just want to add one thing on that because, okay, so I've set my RPO. I've set my RTO how can I make sure that I'm not going to violate them during this disaster, right? How can I make sure that I'm adhering to them? Adhering to your RPO is pretty easy, especially in NetApp and Veeam right? Okay, if I'm using Async SnapMirror, how often am I replicating? Veeam uh, backups and replicas, how old is my last restore point, right? Easy peasy. We can know that we're meeting our RPOs uh, without much effort, but RTO is when it gets tricky, right? Because I actually need to test my recovery. Um, in many cases, it's I need to pile everybody into the data center and we're going to kind of test and maybe we'll get a server or two working and we're going to check the box and say we did it. But you're, a lot of times, you know, it just takes so much time and resources from both a planning personnel um, standpoint to actually test the DR plans. At P, that's where a lot of people kind of fall off the bus, right? Train goes off the tracks so and it comes to DR testing time. That's really super critical to be able to do those tests and improve your RTO. That's hard.
0: It, it kind of reminds yeah, I mean, me that it kind of reminds me of that scene from Royal Tenenbaums. Have you seen this movie? Am I am I speaking to no one that has spe- seen this movie? <laughs> I haven't
2: seen I, it, but I, I'm sure I, one of your listeners. has I'll pretend seen
0: it. I've, seen it. I've seen it, Justin. Go ahead. Never mind. There's a there's a scene. <laughs> there's a scene in there where where Ben Stiller's character he has his kids doing fire drills like at three in the morning, he'll wake them up. He'll like blow the whistle and they'll all go through it. And then he'll, he'll time them. And at the end of it, he'll tell them it wasn't good enough. And yeah, so that, that's what the, the DR testing reminds me but
2: of. You know, a lot of times people aren't saying, Oh, that wasn't good enough. They're going like, eh, it was close enough. Okay. See you next year. Right. But what happens if you actually have a disaster in that next year, you're going to be in trouble.
1: So, Adam, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a funny story. I remember, uh, years uh, um, working with one organization and their and their stated dr plan was to pull out all their tapes out of iron mountain and then then stream all the data you know back from tape that was that was a dr plan and they tested it once a year and it took them an entire weekend just to test it and if they failed the test they wouldn't test again for another year because it took the entire weekend to just to pull that data off the tape and if they failed there was no there was no way to, to retest again they just couldn't they didn't have the time they had to put the tapes back in back in iron, iron and And that's what we're talking about. That's just not a disaster recovery plan. You, you know, you're, it's a complete failure if, if that's what your organization is set on doing right now from a disaster, pulling tapes, uh, you know, out of the vault and, and drive, driving them over to your DR site and restoring mm-hmm. uh, that is not a, you know, a not an adequate DR plan, you know, these days and age.
0: That's you more of a DR that's more of a actually, disaster in waiting there.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's actually probably a bigger disaster than, you know, whatever calls you to, to change data centers. You know, if you've if you know if your company states RTOs of one hour, you have to be able to prove it, uh, right? You can't just hope that that's what you're going to get. Um, you know, in the event of uh, you know a, a hurricane, but you know these there's there's more than just hurricanes. There's a most common one that I saw was uh, was power related issues, right? Um, you you generate you know power goes out, generator fails to go on, you're not going to be up for eight hours, and someone makes the call to fail over a data center it happens far more often than, you know, these, these catastrophic uh, weather events or fires or some, something like that in your data center. You need to be prepared. You need to be able to test and prove your RTOs and RPO policies are uh, a meeting uh, stated uh, company policy.
0: And I'm guessing that the RTOs and RPOs are kind of uh, realistic until they see the cost associated with those stated RTOs and RPOs. Then it becomes more of a, oh, that's what we need to do to get that. That's not good.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's you know, that's the, the same point I was trying to make earlier is like we we can't make technology decisions without looking at these, you know, these stated RPOs, because there's a there's a, a massive difference between an RPO of zero and an RPO of let's say three hours, uh, in terms yeah, of the technology, required, the, yeah, like the, 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 the technology required, the bandwidth required. Yeah, like the technology required, the bandwidth required, you know, and so forth, and the hardware required. Uh, you know, for this and in low RTOS as well. For example, trying to bring on an entire data center's worth of applications in under an hour, you know, is going to require some pretty, uh, pretty high performing network and pretty high performing storage to make that happen. Right. So. Uh, that you know, that might change a, the calculus between buying an all-flash array versus a hybrid array, for example, in terms. Gee,
2: of, if only uh, we knew it was some high-performance storage we could use. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've heard of these things. I'll Have to get back yeah, to absolutely. you. Absolutely, and, and yeah, and, and that's what makes NetApp sort of so special because of the flexibility of the you know the hardware and architectures that we can put together. We can actually put together you know extremely low RPO and RTOs, but we can also uh, you know work with NetApp to put together something uh, that can fit into any budget. Which is uh, pretty pretty crucial when you when you're talking about a, a you know BCDR plans that should be for every organization out there, not just uh, organizations that have substantial IT budgets.
0: So you know you mentioned how there's like this kind of this rat race of scrambling around where you're trying to get everybody in the data center to do the recovery testing, and in the event of a real recovery, it becomes even more of a, a panic, right? Because Sometimes people are on vacation. Sometimes people are asleep, um, and they aren't ready for it to happen. Because when you do a, a DR test, it's basically like, "Oh, we're going to do it on this date," and everybody. Yeah, ready. we're going
2: to lock everybody in the data center for a week, and we're going to do it. We're yeah, planning yeah. this.
1: But when it happens, <laughs> who knows where you are, right? So, uh, who, yeah, who knows? Yeah, if that person was caught up in the disaster itself, right? If you're if you're completely yeah. power, you know, out of power because you were caught in the, uh, you know, in the hurricane, uh, you, and you didn't make it out. Uh, there has to be. Uh, an efficient way to actually achieve your your stated disaster recovery uh, failover capabilities
0: and what you're seeing with these types of things is is trying to remove some of that human element right so having things where you can orchestrate
2: we need humans
0: <laughs> humans humans so so we can orchestrate the whole process and this is where we kind of yeah, orchestrate yeah, we're coming we back full circle to what we are talking about with Veeam here the Veeam Availability Orchestrator. So, uh, Melissa, what does the Veeam Availability Orchestrator orchestrate, and how does it orchestrate?
2: Okay, so first of all, it's going to completely streamline your DR experience. As Adam said before, you can start with a tool like VAO. It's important to have a good understanding of the application your applications in your environment and all of their respective RPOs and RTOs. Right. Once you have that, it's um you know it's a product that requires minimal configuration, so if we're talking specifically about orchestrating NetApp snapshots, NetApp snap mirror relationships, like right? automating that failover piece, mounting it to ESXi, registering the VMs, all that good stuff that like someone would have to do, right? Um, you literally add your vCenters to VAO, you add your NetApp to VAO, you create something called an orchestration plan, which is basically this wizard-driven approach to creating a DR plan So, you know, you give it a name, you select your NetApp volume that you wanna fail over. We have a ton of what we call plan steps. So they're all things to do to your VMs to verify they're working correctly. We have a number of enterprise application steps out of the box, verifying Oracle, SQL, um, your domain controllers, IIS, web servers, anything, you know, you're probably using but we have the ability to add custom PowerShell scripts too. So all those scripts that you're running today manually, um, yeah, just pop them into VAO and VAO will run them for you. And uh, set your RPO and RTO. Again, RPO is really easy. It's your last snap mirror, super simple. However, with RTO, what we're gonna do is once you create that orchestration plan, we're gonna do a couple things. We're gonna run a really lightweight check to see how you're doing, right? We're gonna check, okay, do you have vSphere in both locations? Do you have storage in both locations? Are you snap mirroring? Um, Or any of your hosts in maintenance mode, right? Is your ESXi environment fully available right now, right? We're gonna do that. And then we have the ability to run something called the data lab test. So we're gonna use that data lab kind of bubble I talked about before. We're gonna restore all your VMs. In the case of NetApp, right? We're just gonna flex clone a volume, right? Mounted to ESXi. Um, start up your VMs in that kind of isolated environment. And then we're going to actually run all those plan steps co- that you configured. So any scripts you put in there, we're going to run that all. And we're going to make sure that it actually worked, right? We're going to make sure everything's successful. And when we do that, we're going to be able to tell you, here is the RTO that we got during this um, disaster recovery test. Here is your RTO. So are you meeting or not? We can tell you immediately. Um, I have one in my lab. I actually ran right before this. I was working on some custom scripting. It, was like two or three VMs and it ran the lab test in like six minutes, right? So I know I had an RPO of one hour, but my test ran in six minutes. I got some wonderful documentation that told me, hey, everything's good. Here's the steps taken on each and every VM. Everything's green check marks. And really that's all there is to it. From soup to nuts, you can be up and running, um, at least testing an orchestration plane of VAO in, in less than an hour, right?
0: So, you know, you mentioned the the FlexClone piece, I would imagine that you also integrate with stuff like SVMDR where you can have a DR site that takes the entire storage virtual machine configuration.
2: We're actually more working at the NetApp volume level right now, just okay. because, you know, we're working more at an application level. So we're kind of just failing over that NetApp volume. Ah, okay. Yeah.
1: So as far yeah, so as, yeah, go ahead, Adam. yeah, I just want to, want to make a couple of comments on SVMDR. So where we see a lot of value in SVMDR is for DR orchestration for unstructured data workflows. Um, that's that's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of value there because um, for most organizations that are running native SMB servers like uh, like you know what we used to call SIFS or you know
2: we don't call it SIFS anymore. What? Yeah, some people spy.
1: do. I guess we're, I guess some I people still call them SIFS. Um, yeah, SVMDR is a great technology for that. Whereas um, you don't really want to use sbmdR for for applications, especially applications that need application consistency. Uh, so for um, we want to be able to create on-demand application consistent snapshots. and for that we we want to use an orchestration tool. Uh, so an orchestration tool uh, to create those application consistent snapshots like our veeam, uh, our VBR, a veeam backup and replication that integrates uh, into on tap and, and VMware to coordinate application consistent snapshot creation, so you want a tool that does that. Um, and again, you know, just to be clear, the Veeam Availability Orchestrator is not a snapshot creation tool. Where that's a that's a DR orchestration tool. So we're expecting uh, the snapshots and the data to be um, over at the at the DR site uh, for when we do our um, our failover orchestration. So you you're still going to want to have a tool uh, to create those. Um, uh, those snapshots and orchestrate the um, the correct RPOs uh, for for each individual uh, set of data that you have um, so for that um, you know we wouldn't recommend SVMDR but for something like your your NAS shares uh, where uh, you need to sort of fail over the entire identity um, SVMDR is a great tool for that.
0: So with the with the orchestrator piece you mentioned it gives you an idea of your RPO and RTOs. Does it also give you corrective actions you could take if your RPOs yes. are not happening? When so
2: um, the RPOs, like I said, it's super simple. Are you snap mirroring at an appropriate time to RPO? So when you run that readiness check, it's going to come back and be like, Hey, last snap, let's say I said one hour RPO last snap mirror age is three hours and 46 minutes. You need to go fix that. Right. So it's um, as you're doing kind of this testing and validation of your plan, Uh, The documentation generated is really great for troubleshooting. It'll basically tell you what's wrong in your environment and how to fix it. Uh, Also, with that is a plan definition report, which tells you what you created in your orchestration plan, each and every step taken on every VM. And more importantly, there's an audit log. So, if I went and did all this work and set up this orchestration plan and then Adam logged in tomorrow night and messed up my stuff, um, I would catch that and be able to fix it. And more importantly, I would be able to Fix it before an actual DR happened, right? So it kind of is really good at taking a look at your environment and just kind of making sure that you're always ready, like should anything happen.
0: So like, you know, we talked about RPO being our recovery point and our RTO being recovery time. So the RTO piece is interesting because if it comes back and it's outside of my recovery time, um, we have the logs we can evaluate to see where that extra time might've been added in, where I maybe can shave off a few seconds. Exactly.
2: You're going to get a whole report that's going to tell you, again, each and every step that VAO took, um, you know, from a NetApp perspective, it's going to tell you, here's everything I did to your NetApp and here's how long it took, right? Uh, if you were working with Veeam backups and replicas, so you can also restore uh, Veeam backups or failover a Veeam replica, it'll tell you, you know, um, you know, let's say, so you were restoring and it took so long and then you go, oh man, that that SATA storage, those eight terabytes SATA drives with no flash, man, that's not really good for vSphere, my DR site. Maybe I need to look at that. So it's going to kind of catch all those things for you when you look at this detailed reporting.
1: I, I think this this sort of topic is why it's critical to be testing your DR plans often. Because yes. the amount of data in your applications are constantly changing in your environment. And all of that has implications on how fast you're able to recover at the DR site. So if you're doing tests, you know, yearly, or maybe every six months, you're not really getting an idea of, you know, did the decisions that I made for the infrastructure and network for my DR site, are those still good, right? Are they still valid? Can I still, you know, do I still have enough horsepower on the storage at my DR site to actually bring my applications up within my stated RTO times? So you want to have a you know a good idea of hey you know we, we're testing monthly every month these applications take longer to start up uh, or or we're, ke- we're continuing to add more applications that become part of my DR uh, plan you know do we need to reevaluate uh, you know what we have from a infrastructure perspective at the DR site to meet our stated RTOs so um, having a way to test often. Uh, is is a way to make sure that you're always in compliance with uh, stated policy.
0: So earlier we talked about um, NetApp technologies and SnapMirror. You know, and there's two types of SnapMirror. There's the asynchronous, whereas basically on a on a schedule of like you know maybe every five minutes, every fifteen minutes, and then there's something new called synchronous SnapMirror, which we can do up to the second replication. So what are the advantages of doing an asynchronous SnapMirror versus a synchronous SnapMirror in these application environments?
1: Yeah, I think we touched on this a little a little bit before. Obviously, synchronous SnapMirror means we can achieve an RPO of zero. The data is being written in both data centers simultaneously. Uh, you know, if you had a a, a data a loss event or a data center loss event, you would actually have you know up to the second data over on the DR site. This is great for uh, the kinds of data that you cannot lose a single transaction. So think medical records, or maybe you're you know, you're a sales organization, you can't lose. Uh, you know, any sort of sales information data, you want that data immediately replicated uh, across the wire with synchronous uh, replication. Now, synchronous replication RPO or zero is not always appropriate. So you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of, of both synchronous and asynchronous replication based on your stated policy. So one of the, you know, I mentioned this earlier. One of the things you can't do with synchronous replication is crash consistency within an application. So there, there are quite a few applications, especially Microsoft applications, that retain a lot of memory, uh, a lot of data in memory before they before it gets written down to disk. Um, so there are there are chances to lose data uh, or even corrupt a database if you try to fail over uh, from that crash consistent state. So uh, asynchronous replication allows us to flush any memory, uh, any data in memory, down to disk. Uh, pause and quiesce the application, and then uh, and then take a hardware-based snapshot and on and then re- you know release the application back to normal operation. But then we start replicating that uh, that data from a known good, quiesced state uh, of the application, so that we can guarantee recovery of that application. So it's critical that you identify which applications are good candidates for RPO zero. And, and the applications that uh, that need to be quiesced before replication and take advantage of, of of both technologies. So, of course, both should be in use in your organization, especially if you have any RPO zero requirements.
2: Yeah, and I would just want to throw in there another part of the beauty between Veeam and NetApp is we've talked about how amazing and how fast NetApp snapshots are. So we have the ability to actually do our Beam backups from NetApp snapshots, right? So. That just lowers your RPO even more, and it lowers the workload um, in your VCR environment, too, right? It's a very lightweight type of thing when we're backing up from a storage s- snapshot versus processing the VM itself, right? So, uh, another little seed of magic there between VM and NetApp.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we can actually use those replicated snapshots that you're using for DR as the source for your, you know, your traditional off-box streaming backup. So you can actually kill two birds with one <laughs> with one replica, if you will, right? You got your replication as the source for a, a backup, and also the, as, as the source for a disaster recovery. Um, you know, we really want organizations to be thinking about DR and backup as two completely separate processes. Um, but when you can start creating efficiencies between DR and backup that's where the NetApp technology really shines uh, and especially with the integration within in Veeam and in, Veeam's in integration there to to actually make use of a snap mirror and snapshots in such a way that they're useful for both DR and uh, and, and backup you know i run into organizations all the time that are replicating their data twice and it, it, it actually like makes me want to pull my hair out because you know they're they're making a replica for backup and then they're making a replica for DR and it's not the same replica and then they're running out of space they got twice the twice the usage on their disk and um you know it's like hey man if you guys just bought some NetApp we, <laughs> we could solve this problem right um, so that's why we uh, you know we really love uh, the integration and the capabilities around SnapMirror and snapshots that uh, that Veeam uses.
0: So what about the licensing? Like, how do, how do we license VAO? Does it come with the package that you already have bought from Veeam, or is it something separate?
2: So it is a separate product from Veeam Backup and Replication, but there are a couple of different ways to consume it, right? We now have this uh, DR Pack option, which if you think about the difference between Veeam Backup and Replication and Veeam Availability Suite, Veeam Availability Suite is being up. Uh, oh, my power just went, woo. Okay. Do you have a DR here. plan? <laughs> okay, I'm still here. Good. Um, so the difference is, so when we add a sweeter pack, right, we're adding another product to your, um, to your Veeam install base at a significant discount. So we have an offering like that for VAO. So you can bundle VAO for all of your VMs uh, with BNR or VAS at a, a very reasonable price, or uh, if you're not really ready to make that big of a commitment, you can buy them in 10 VM packs.
1: Yeah, and, and and just to be clear, you know, the, the Veeam Availability Orchestrator is a completely standalone product. It can be sold completely standalone. So
2: Yeah, if so you are, if, yeah. if you're a NetApp customer today and you don't use Veeam, but you're like, I could actually use some of this orchestration automation for my NetApp snapshots. You don't have to be a Veeam customer to use VAO, right? You can install a completely um, separate standalone VAO, no additional VNR licenses required. And you're still gonna get that data lab functionality testing piece that Veeam provides, right? So when we install VAO? part of the installation is an embedded Veeam backup and replication server. You would configure your Veeam data labs right on there. Again, no additional license required. Um, whoa, again, <laughs> with a VAO, And uh, Yeah, kind of kick the tires. And we do have free trials of backup and replication as well. So if you start using it from an orchestration perspective, and you really like the idea of some application consistency that we talked about, yeah, you can get a trial for BNR and test it out.
0: What if I wanted to use, I don't know, an inferior no, in, an inferior backup product?
2: No, why would you do that?
0: I mean, well, let's say I have it and I can't I can't. But yeah, help you can it.
2: St- we won't touch that. You can still use your inferior backup product. I mean, once you start using VIO and see how easy all the Veeam products are to use, you might not be using it much longer, but
1: <laughs> No, but I, I think I think that's We're not one gonna of the-
2: not let you protect your and orchestrate your no. data for failover.
1: I think that's what that's that's what's really cool about the Veeam Availability Orchestrator is if you are perfectly happy with the backup tool that you're using today or maybe you're even using an integrated tool that 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 that's already orchestrating your NetApp snapshots and you're saying, you know, we we've got a a backup tool already um, but we're not really doing much for DR orchestration. You don't have to buy any other Veeam products. You can buy Veeam Availability Orchestrator completely standalone and that can be your, your, uh, your DR orchestration tool. So no Veeam backup products required at all to, to get uh, started with uh, Veeam Availability Orchestrator. Cool.
0: All right. That's excellent. So where would I find more information about VAO? Where can I find downloads? Where can I contact somebody for a license? How do I, how do I find all this information, Alex, uh, Alex, Adam, my son is named Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: well, of course you want to head right over to Veeam.com. That's V E E A M.com. If you don't know how to spell Veeam, because I certainly didn't know that before coming to Veeam. No, I'm kidding about that. No, Veeam.com. Uh, click right on uh, Veeam availability orchestrator. You're going to find it right on the, right on the homepage. Uh, that's where you're going to find all the uh, the, in the, the uh, white papers. How we're integrating with NetApp is right there. And of course, we offer free trials, fully functional trials of all of our products. And, and Veeam Availability Orchestrator is included in that. You're free to download it and try it out. Two day, completely free of charge. And you know, you won't have you won't really have have to worry about it screwing up your environment. It's pretty painless.
0: So I went to the website and all I see is a picture of Michael Cade. Is that normal? Yeah, totally normal. It's in Michael Cade mode. We
1: love Michael Cade. What?
0: What? What? Anyway. Um, it's terrible oh, Michael Cade impersonation. Okay. Sorry, Michael. But that was uh, pretty bad. Yeah, but I know. <laughs> that's what i specialize in terrible impersonations
2: i don't think i want to hear your melissa impersonation that would probably be like
0: yeah no but no that'd but that'd seriously a, go to Veeam.com of and offensive. the first
1: thing that's right there on the front is Veeam Availability orchestrator v3 download today you click it it's right there on Veeam.com. go right there that's right first thing you see
0: excellent all right uh so if i wanted to contact someone on this podcast uh, namely you melissa how do we do that
2: uh you can find me on twitter at veemus 33
0: and secondarily, if I last resort had to talk to somebody, Adam, how would I contact you?
1: <laughs> Find me on Twitter at AJBerg or shoot me an email. I, I, I do like email. Uh, you know, it seems, seems kind of old school, but uh, email me at adam.berg at veam.com.
0: I prefer email over things like Teams.
2: Can I send a carrier pigeon?
0: <laughs> carrier pigeon. Pony Express. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, excellent. Crows, right? Do they use crows still or no? I don't know. Do
0: they, <laughs> do they ever use crows? I don't know. Game of Thrones, I think. Oh, okay. There you go. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire TechOnTap Podcast team, I'd like to thank Adam Berg and Melissa Palmer for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. that's getting off on this. Oh, yeah.